chapter seven, the more you know. I can't uh, think of anything else besides that meme when I when I the more you know. read this. Yep. <clears throat> I skirted the rock again, this time in the opposite direction, taking one last look at the coconut that would have served as bait if by any chance I had not found the large animal I was now holding. I could have made my way through the jungle instead of returning to the beach and then, the, and then to the flock, but the task would have required the use of my knife to prune the vines that stood in my way, and having one hand already occupied with the large crustacean, and sometimes both, it would have been too risky. Upon arriving at the beach, I stopped for a few moments to observe the sea one last time before plunging back to the end to the Ambungi jungle. The waves all looked the same, but I realized at that moment how different the feeling of a beach without any living thing inside was from the one felt on the first beach we talked at, where there was the abandoned village. Where I was now, the feeling was one of isolation and freedom. On the other, one of pain and death. Yes, death. Because that is the only end I imagine to those who left their huts never to return have suffered. I just wondered why those herbivores had attacked the village and, above all, where were the bodies and the survivors? This I would understand later and I will tell you. While I was walking about these words that I would write to you, I crossed the forest, holding that crab in front of me as if I was repulsed by the poor animal. Cautiously, I walked on until I heard the roars of the kayakers and reached the spot where my group was still waiting. Surprised at what he saw, Lane exclaimed the scientific, scientific name of the animal I was carrying. Burgos Lastro! Aye, sir, the coconut crab, I replied, returning the smile. But that's splendid, my boy! I knew that these islands had populations of species, but I never thought we would see them after not having found them in the northwestern portion of the land, concluded Lane. Well? Interrupted King. What did you want so badly with the jumbo shrimp to send the boy to the beach a second time? Oh, wait and see, Lane teased, running his fingers around the exact spot where I was holding the animal mirroring my movements to prevent it from reacting. Ensuring that the doctor was already holding it firmly, I released the crab, and the man set out on his mission. The female probactosaurus that had approached us earlier was now feeding on a low cycad, just outside the boundaries of the guardian circle. Like so many other individuals did when not on alert. Slowly, Anthony Lane approached the gigantic beast, making a bit of a fuss as he walked, still talking worse than whistling, so as not to surprise the dinosaur. When he was much closer, the female turned her neck and looked curiously at the old man who was carrying an offering. How are you, mama? said Lane in the strangest of manners. Bending down, he placed the crustacean in front of the dinosaur and immediately withdrew his hand to avoid being attacked, then walked away. The probactosaurus lowered her neck and sniffed the crab for a moment. We waited to see what would happen and what Lane intended with this. 
then without further ado, the female opened her keratinous beak and swallowed the, the huge crustacean. Bringing the crab to the bottom of her jaw, the dinosaur began to grin that it's still alive with her battery of teeth. We stared in shock at the scene in front of us, and I can say this about Lucy and King because I turned to them and I can guarantee they had their jaws dropped as much as I did. Laughing with happiness and having proven his theory, Lane returned to our group with an evident expression of pride. Already knowing what her father wanted, Lucy permitted him. Yes, Dad, explain it to us, please. With a less chuckle at his daughter's good reaction, the old scientist went into a trance again as he spoke. <laughs> Herbivores coprolith was found in fragments of crustacean exoskeletons in its contents. At first, there was confusion as to why a herbivore had eaten an animal, and it was even hypothesized that the ingestion had not been on purpose. Rather that the dinosaur was feeding on spongy, already decaying wood, as some cattle do, simply because they enjoy the easy-to-chew texture, and that inside the wood was the crab. However, this idea was soon refuted, taking into account the size of the animal, which was too big to be unintentionally devoured by the dinosaur. The conclusion was the wisest that could have been reached because it is based on well-documented biology of actual beings. Known that cows and other herbivores have been spotted, even filmed devouring other small animals such as chickens. It was observed that they were pregnant females who needed calcium for the formation of their offspring's bones, a kind of vitamin supplement. For the same reason, these female dinosaurs fed on the crabs they found, and so do the survivors. We listened with fascination, admiring the vast knowledge that this man, that this old man possessed. How could anyone imagine that those beings that for more than a century were thought were exclusively herbivores actually maintained an omnivore's diet? diet omnivore's diet even if only during gestation. Well, the more you know. The great leader then raised his head and moved by the instinctive forces that guided him, roared at his flock, making the skin of his cheeks tremble with deep sound. All the Kayaimonos immediately abandoned plants on which they were feeding, letting fall from their beaks what they were still chewing, and the females hurried to reach the trees and turn their backs to the trunks. They then produced a purring-like noise, very similar to the sound the guardians produced to assure their group that they were safe. Till this, the chicks would slowly descend from their positions and hug the back of their mothers, to make it easier to move around. The flock of probactosaurs took a second longer to react, probably because they did not understand the different noises of the other species. As soon as the guardians moved to surround the shifting flock, though, the probactosaurs realized that their protection was about to depart, self-preservation being the common language between the species. There were still more hypotheses to, the, to be developed, especially after the body I had found and the leader had prepared me perfect opportunity to do so because instead of making a new path through the woods, 
Gamenyo decided to go along the beach, where we would have full space to pair our staffs and discuss the matter. This we did, in fact, after following the same route that I had used to reach the beach, where I found my crab. The huge beasts sprang up on the white sand, destroying the last branches before resurfacing, and there we were, walking together like a wall, Lucy and I in the middle, laying at her side and keen at mine, just what I wanted. You see, I introduced, excited to have everyone's attention. When I found the coconut crab, I also find a kayamuni carcass, already badly decomposed, and no other female would see to me. A carcass, you say? asked Lane, intrigued. Did I say far from the flock? Contribute Keen, echoing my question. Well... Oh, sorry, said Lucy, simply. <laughs> Let's go again. <clears throat> well... Said Lucy, simply. Doesn't it happen among elephants that older individuals move away from the flock to die? Lane and King looked at each other. King laughed forcibly as he had done only a few times before and inferred. <laughs> Looks like we've been surpassed, old boy. It was indeed a nice theory, but something didn't seem right. Not with the marks I had seen on the body. Finally, I made up my mind to speak. Maybe that was the case, but there were very large claw marks on the animal's flesh. Doesn't it seem to you that she got too close to the leader during one of his exhibitions and he injured her? And she crawled all the way to the northeast beach before she finally died? Asked Keen with a note of contempt in his voice. I balked at, it at this last argument. It truly didn't make sense. Oh, yes, Jacob? And how do you explain the claw marks? Questioned Lane, coming to my defense. He says that the body was already decomposing, right? Defended the British man. Muscles contract and pull after death. I'm afraid he has a good point, said Lane, lowering his voice as if the other man couldn't hear him. Well, there is also the problem with the generation gap among Kayamunus. I began trying to get the new debate moving. There are not many juveniles among the flock, while there is a relatively healthy population among the Probactosaurus, with all ages living together. Yes, yes, said Anthony, Anthony Lane, agreeing. We discussed this while you were looking for the crab I asked you for. It seems to me that the birth rate is very low, especially when you consider that not all females have offspring. As you said, there are at least a few juveniles, like the one we saw being chased away by the leader. It is possible that the growth rate is also fast, and so we have this phenomenon of few babies and almost adult teenagers. The big gap between... But Lane couldn't finish his sentence because he was already gasping with fatigue. Lucy and I helped him so that he wouldn't fall, but he assured us. Don't worry, children. I'm fine. It's just getting hard to keep up. We can stop and rest, sir, I suggested. Uh, we can't, Kevin. We will lose the flock just to save an already weakened old man. It seemed that we weren't quite sure whether we agreed or not, and we remained silent. We don't have to lose him. 
said Keen. Kevin and I can go ahead and keep pace with the herd, and if they change their route, we'll come back and let you know. Lane thought about it and concluded resolutely. Resolutely. Well, do that. Lucy and I will catch up with you soon. Sir, we can stop here if you like, I said, still holding his shoulders. Our water bottles are almost empty, and all we need is some simple evidence of the existence of these beans. King then cried out without holding back. Stop! Now they're making one discovery after another! Lane raised his eyes, staring at King's face, surprised at such a lack of understanding, and replied, Okay, Jacob, we're not stopping. Kevin, please take this man away from here so he can make his damn discoveries. If I don't succumb, I'll be there to applaud you, Dr. King. He finished with content. Well? Jacob teased, looking into his eyes. It's a bloody lovely thing you brought Lucy along, isn't it? <clears throat> I still hesitating to take our eyes off Lane and me to let go of my tutor and leave him, we took our time to finally pull away. We sped up then to keep pace with the herd that had gained an advantage from our delay, and I looked one less time to see my master, still weak, hooked on Lucy. His body was sore, about to collapse, but not while Jacob Keane could turn and see him on the ground. Soon though, we made the gentle curve that describes the island and no longer looked back. I know that Lane fell at that very moment and that Lucy worried, thinking that her father was about to faint. I'm fine, my dear, he said to calm her down. I'm perhaps morbidly exhausted. Oh, thank you, he said before emptying the bottle of water that Lucy had given him. You know, I can't deny that I like the idea of staying longer before eventually coming back and rubbing these pictures in the faces of those teenagers who attended my lectures as if they were in a circus. But it's time to leave this paradise behind. I no longer have the energy for this kind of expedition. I assure you that if this is the last one before I retire, it was the best one of all, honey. I'm glad you feel fulfilled at last that you could talk more firmly to Dr. King about ending the trip here. No, I don't have the space to remained silent. There was nothing to correct the old man further about, let alone something to disagree with. Finding something friendly to say, she spoke in a low tone. Let me just support you. Feeling guilty for receiving something he never provided, Lang felt a sharp pain in his chest and muttered, Thank you. Thank you for coming. As for us, we could not see him from the for the rest of the day, as we had followed a huge flock already for hours. The animals no longer stopped to feed, and I felt my body clamoring for sleep, which I hadn't had in two days. To my right, King trotted along like a child returning from his first day of school, so happy he was to be there with those creatures. Sometimes he also looked at the horizon of the ocean and even to the sky, which he explained when he noticed my questioning look. I'm afraid there's someone else who will see this large group. Imagine if a single plane flew over the area and saw our creatures. The whole degenerate modern world would know. 
I restrained myself from correcting him when I heard our creatures as if the dinosaurs belonged to us or something like that. Now, Doctor, if Munape called us, do you think he kept the secret from anyone else? Even if he hasn't, who would believe a man without a proof? Well, if you were worried about this, remember that we will soon reach the beach of the abandoned village, which is well exposed. But before he could elaborate on anything else to say, we heard roars coming from the area before us. We raised our eyes and saw that the Probactosaurus roared furiously. The guardians were brandishing their scythes menacingly, looking at various points in the jungle. What the hell is I doing? Asked King, confused. They look like they are... defending themselves, I ventured. From what? You can't see anything and the, there is no smell. I looked again at the, at the Proboctosaurus and got terrified when I understood what was happening there. We have to hide! I fired out these words without explaining myself. What? We have to hide now! I shouted, I already waving my flannel in the wind as I ran. Away from the sand, a leafy tree was growing strong and I climbed it as fast as I could, knowing that King was right behind. We climbed as far as we could, hanging to a branch and watching the herd. As I kept my eyes glazed over and my expression still one of terror, he asked again. Will you tell me now what you're afraid of? I couldn't utter a word, so I gestured with my head pointing at the Proboctosaurus. What is it? What do you see that I don't? He returned, still not understanding. Perhaps nothing seemed abnormal to him. The guardians surrounded the flock, females stood with their backs to each other at as a last line of defense for their young, and the Proboctosaurus roared in the one direction only, unlike the Kayaimus. Looking in their direction, we could see a dark area of the forest, whose dense vegetation did not allow us to see inside. So that's it. Keen concluded, finally understanding the situation. There is uh, something hidden, and the Proboctosaurus smelled it. Before it attacked, I said, fish finishing his thought, I felt that I already had more spirit to speak, so I went on with the theory. They seem to have a better nose than the Kayamos, but they don't have weapons as threatening as later. This is why they often join together for the better protection of both bands. We watched in silence to see what would happen. Just before the sun disappeared completely, the leader commanded the group to keep moving following the formation they had adopted from the attack. The group moved quickly, and as soon as they were some distance away, we saw some vines move into the area that the Proboctosaurus had previously faced. From it, jumped two bipedal animals, each about six meters long and taller than a man. Both had a thin layer of orange fuzz, like a coyote, and were slender. They then followed in the footsteps of the herd and looked at each other. King now having the same expression of horror that I had. When I realized the implications of that, I pondered. We must tell Dr. Lane about this.